Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Now, welcome in, everyone. Uh, small crowd tonight, but I'm sure it'll fill up as the show goes on, as it usually does. Uh, up and down week, roller coaster of a week, I feel like. Um, and all of a sudden, the Marlins are four and six. Don't feel like they're too far, far back. The losses that were had, they felt very, very low. But the wins that they had felt like almost everything was clicking. Um, I didn't really get to watch much this weekend, but watched some condensed games, saw the general twist of it of course whatever happened friday happened on friday but we'll recap it all as quickly as possible I want to get your to you guys questions up early on i'm sure there's a lot of stuff that people are wanting to know as we get deeper into the season we'll do our best to answer that whether you're listening on youtube twitter right now doesn't matter uh, welcome in um we're, we're on all sorts of platforms now so we'll start with the twin series last show we went game by game i don't want to do all that we'll be here for two hours but the twin series First series win of the season for Miami. Um, that first night, dreadful. Uh, I watched the entire game. Don't know why I did, but I watched the whole game. Um, bad, bad loss. Just felt like it was lost from the beginning. Kepler hit that home run. You, you just kind of had the feeling that things just weren't going to go Miami's way. But the next two days, we saw why Miami's star, top two starters are so great. I mean, what a game from Sandy. A historic game at that. Um, excellent, excellent stuff to watch. Jesus Lizardo really coming into his own. He started off last year hot, and this year he's done the exact same um, stellar, stellar stuff so far. And that was a series win for Miami. So we'll, we'll talk about the twin series. Good news. Um, bullpen did a lot of what they needed to do. Both the starters were great. Um, but the hitting obviously could have been better. I, I think they did get outscored by the twins in the series, but still won the series. So I feel like it's a very Marlin statistic. Well, we'll go both Eli and Kevin here. What are your guys' thoughts generally on the twin series? Just why the offense kind of looks stagnant. But then, of course, we'll talk about how great the pitching was for that as well. I mean, when you look at it, there's not much the offense has to do when Sandy's on the mound. Just got to score maybe one or two runs. And thankfully, uh, Avi Garcia got one in there for in that uh, second game. We're not even going to talk about the first game, but – I think just the story of this whole series was Sandy. Sandy got his first complete game, looked really good. Used almost his whole used his whole pitch mix pretty even, to be honest. You know, thirty on the sinker, twenty nine times the slider, and you guys get the case. Twenty two with the slide, twenty nine with the changeup, slider twenty two times, fastball nineteen times. He looked good. Velos were a little low on some pitches, but that's usual when your first start. That spin rates as well, but. He, he looked good. And then we have to talk about Luzardo in that final game where Luzardo shoved. I mean, I think it was maybe, I think it was 10 strikeouts, was it, for Luzardo? He he looked really good. It was, it was I think, very refreshing to see, and especially after not not just Luzardo, but seeing these guys not walking guys. I mean, both of them just walking one in the series. Luzardo striking out 10, going seven innings. And then Dylan Flora looked pretty good as well as AJ Puck. So. Not much to say there. The offense in that third game, I think, is really the story of the game, where Jorge Soler hit the two homers, De La Cruz with the RBI. Mm-hmm. You, you really can't complain about how good the Marlins were in that final game with the Twins. 
offense was a little putrid in the second one, I'll say. So can't be disappointed. Um, Miami beats a really good team with with what we said on that live stream. It was a pretty, a pretty lethal lineup with Buxton Correa. You have Joey Gallo there who had a good start to the season. Um, Trevor Larnick, Michael A. Taylor, who was a pretty um, good defensive outfielder. So you guys are really cut, good about cut it. cut you off, Kev. I want to mention you mentioned the Twins and – you mentioned, you know, us beating them and everything. Twins have had, I believe, the best pitching staff or pitching rotation to the start of the season. And the Marlins, for what they did against the Twins and, and the Twins showing just how great they've improved pitching wise, I think it kind of says a lot about how the Marlins have progressively kind of improved offensively, especially in that series. Uh, maybe take away the first game aside, but you mentioned like Jorge Soler. Um, I was there for that. It was. It was crazy hitting the two the two bombs, and then you had DLC coming in a tough situation with Jazz getting hurt, and again providing um, that he could come in in relief and and take some of the load um, off the Marlins when something serious does happen. You did say that you didn't want to. I think Kevin said, "Let's not talk at all about the first game." But I think there is something to mention <laughs> about the first game. A couple things that stood out to me about it. There was, of course, the need at the very end to use a position player to pitch. Use Jacob Stallings at the very ends in the fifth game of the season to reach that point in terms of how he's managed the availability of his pitching staff. That there was that was kind of what they had to do just to get through that game. We know that in previous years it was it was pretty rare, um, except for the a Williams Estadio cameo. That that is something the Marlins were extremely reluctant to do at any point the play that stood out to me about this game that probably didn't stand out to many people because most people had tuned out by then but when the marlins were down like 10 to 1 and brian de la cruz hit this hard line drive i think to the left center gap and he had an easy double he tried to stretch it for a triple down by nine runs and he got thrown out there um that was i think that speaks a lot as to where we are the whole Brian De La Cruz experience this is a player that initially when he came up with the team, he was, he was a, an immediate fan favorite. He was somebody that we pointed to as doing a lot of fundamental things, right. But for a lot of last year, that kind of flipped on him. And to the, even to this year, there's a lot of, he is a, uh, a very polarizing player. I think at this point and now in his career, that kind of decision in that situation um, where there's, absolutely nothing to gain and just so much to lose for in a game where you're getting blown out by that. It just showed such a, a lack of understanding of the circumstances, just poor baseball awareness in that one. It was just one game and you did mention they won the series and that is more important ultimately. But as you look at this team now at this particular moment where Avi Garcia's status is up in the air and it looks like there's going to be a lot more playing time in the corner outfield spots than there used to be. Um, and I think naturally there's going to be a lot of enthusiasm for getting more opportunities for DLC as we saw today as well in today's game, as well as back then on Monday. And you can probably pick out other moments. Um, I, I've just been kind of perplexed and a little disappointed by the way that he has matured or really not matured as a ball player these couple of years in the majors. Maybe Grant is having mic issues again. No, yeah, I guess I'll just hop in. Um, I think now we can move on to the uh, – oh, your background? Oh, he's having mic issues. Okay. Uh, I think it's time to talk about the series following that, which is the Mets. Marlins lost <sighs> two out of three. Do we have to? Yeah, we have to. Edward oh. struggled. That's, I think, the first point I think we should touch upon. Ed- Edward Cabrera struggles walking, you know – Seven, uh, which was, I believe, a career high, the most since Trevor Richards in 2019. So uh, just struggled overall. Danny, your thoughts on that game? I mean, just seeing with what Edwards done, I believe the first game he started with six walks, I believe. So for 13, 13 walks this early on in the season, it's, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's not looking good. I don't know what they want to do with him. It, uh, does he have any options left, or if he, even he has one, just one up, just one? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's. I think it's maybe a little too early to think about him putting down him putting it uh, 
optioning him down this early in the season. Um, I, I would say give him a couple more starts. You know, the Mets are the Mets. They always give the Marlins trouble. And then you can always have blame maybe the first game or so and on jitters, him actually starting on the opening roster for the first time in his career. Uh, I wouldn't worry about anything like that and optioning for Eddie maybe up until I would at least give it a couple months. Yeah. I would give it his next start. I I think that would be the only issue right now is you don't have Johnny Cueto, and I don't really know if you want Dan Castano being your starter every fifth day. I think that would be the big issue. And um, I mean, besides that, the bullpen looked all right. I guess Andrew Nardi had the best outing. Tanner Scott drove in two without giving up a hit. And, that, and that's that's fun. something we should touch up on. Edward Cabrera did not give up a hit in his start, by the way. Scored in, he drove um, two runs, were scored, all earned, because he loaded the bases and he walked two other hitters. And after that, I think Matt Barnes gave up a homer. I believe that was to Lindor or Pete Alonso. Um, Tanner Scott, as I mentioned. And then Dan Castano, um, who was sent down the day after, went one inning, two hits, three runs. So just a rough performance overall. Um, Kev, let me ask you something from that game, or just overall. What have, what have been your outlook on Brazabon? Because me, I've always thought... Uh, so maybe last season him coming up in the beginning of this year, I thought he was one of the better relievers for the Marlins. But as of late, he's giving up a lot of earned runs. Has not looked good. He is one of the older guys on this roster, despite him having less than two years or barely a year of service time. How, what's your outlook on, on Brazabot? I, I know it's not the, the sexiest name to talk about in, in the space. But he, he's been getting a lot of innings as – uh, for the Marlins as a reliever, I believe he even had maybe the most innings by reliever so far this season. He does, yeah. It's been rough. I mean, you can't blame a guy who's going, who's pitched more than a couple of the starters. He's six innings pitched. Um, just, just it's been rough for for Braza, But I guess if you could even, just not much to say about it. He, it's tough for Braza. I, I think Skip is using him more of in a long roll. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, he won an inning. Though in this start against New York, but we look at past starts, he's gone pretty long, and that's something that I guess it's a little concerning. But I know yeah. Eli will definitely have Brazilbon to. has, if you look at innings pitched, he is exactly fifth. He has just as many innings pitched as Edward Cabrera so far this season. So which is that, not good. So yeah, I don't know how much they're relying skip. on him. Yeah, exactly. I would and that should tell you something that it's Brazilbon, except for maybe that other guy who you don't really. See. Charbois or or even Tanner Scott that it's really Brazobon that as the guy that Skip trusts in those longer situations. They're Maybe using him. Just... They're using him just fine in that middle mm-hmm. relief role. Um, he can't throw strikes. He, he's not. He, he's where he belongs. You know, he's. I think he's good enough, especially at this current state with Okert out, and if Chagua is going to miss a significant amount of time, then I think his place on this major league staff makes a lot of sense. But he's just he's a middle reliever because he can't throw strikes. <laughs> he usually doesn't get hit hard, although he did allow a rare home run in this past series against the Mets. Um, he doesn't know where the ball is going. He has really nasty stuff. He's got a good fastball. He's got a great changeup. And he even has this cutter that is he's nasty stuff in a vacuum. But he's one of the oldest guys on the pitching staff. He's 33 years old. And if he hasn't figured out how to throw straight by now, He's not going to figure it out much in the future. He get he constantly gets behind in counts. That's why he throws a lot of pitches. Um, although this year, it has been a different story. This year, in that tiny sample, he's been more efficient, and he's surprisingly getting hit harder. So he has, even though the stuff looks the same as last year, stylistically, he's been a lot different in a small sample this year, where he's allowed those 10 hits in six and the third innings, in addition to the couple walks and the couple hit-by-pitches. Um I think Edward Cabrera is the more interesting person to follow moving forward. Just considering what it's going to look like against different opponents. He's faced the Mets in his first start. He faced the Mets in his second start. And those were very bad matchups for him. They don't chase pitches out of the zone at all. And Cabrera is somebody that really gets so much of his success on guys chasing the changeup below the zone and chasing his slider outside off the outside corner. The Mets were a team that didn't do that in either of those starts and you saw the results with it the Phillies even if they are about as good as an offensive team overall 
I think that's going to be a better matchup for him. Those are hitters that are more aggressive. When you think of Castellanos or Alec Bohm, even JT Real Muto, those are guys that like to swing the bat. And he had success against them. And the last time he faced them, if I remember, I remember the one time he pitched in Philly and he went into the sixth inning. This was during the second half of the year. That was really encouraging. I, I think that is something to watch. If it's again the same type of results where it's more walks and strikeouts and he's not going deep into the game, then you begin to have difficult thoughts about what to do right now. But the alternatives are pretty bad with the Marlins rotation, especially with Johnny Cueto out at the moment. There is the alternative right now is Devin Smeltzer, who they just brought up. That is the next man in the pecking order for the rotation right now. And no offense to Smeltzer, but his upside is a lot lower than Eddie Cabrera's. So I am, I'm, I had, I didn't know what to make of Eddie coming into this year. I could see his season going in two completely different directions. I had concerns about this exact thing. I'm still not going to react much one way or the other, unless it continues against different type of opponents. Um, so I'm curious to see what he does against Philly uh, elsewhere with this Mets series. Uh, more, as I mentioned with Brian De La Cruz, there was a lot of good and there was some bad. There was another weird base running play today where he didn't tag from second to third on an obvious tagging situation. And then he had that error. Um, he's very quietly made a lot of errors in the outfield. Like overall, he's not a terrible defensive outfielder, but so many of the routine plays, he's really prone to those extra base mistakes, turning routine outs into doubles, turning singles into triples, going back to um, even last year as well. So if we're going to be seeing more of him, if it's going to be an expanded role potentially in the light of Avi Garcia and his hamstring injury, uh, just be prepared. That's somewhat of a roller coaster. And I don't know for sure whether he's going to be a net positive when he's given those opportunities. You guys have anything else on DLC and the big day that he had today? It's, I guess, refreshing to see because he needs – there's been moments where he just has not looked good. I, I know that twin series, he – he looked. He didn't look too good. There, but besides the last game, we got the RBI. That middle game, he looked pretty atrocious. It's just no other way to say it. But um, yeah, it's it's a refreshing look, especially if Avi Garcia goes down, as you mentioned. I think there's a chance we see more Dela Cruz and Sanchez out in the outfield. Um, and I think the last thing I want to mention, just on that first game with the Mets, or just in general, is Brazobon, who uses his changeup the the second most last year barely used it in his appearance only used it three times and it just was wasn't working spin rate was down as well as the veal just by a little bit but wasn't looking good so i, I guess that's something that we can mention about brazobon there uh, i think now it's time we talk about that second game with trevor rogers facing kodai senga um marlins lost that one five to two but trev looked pretty good overall if you take out the Pete Alonzo homer, went 4.2, four hits, three runs, all earned, two walks, five strikeouts, and gave up that homer to Pete Alonzo. So, Daniel, your thoughts on Trev? Um, a, a lot more refreshing from what we saw the last time he faced the Mets. Yeah, I, I think with Trev, it's kind of like him kind of improving slowly throughout Ooh, the season. Respect. I don't think we're going to get that kind of Trevor in 2021 as late. Uh, he's kind of really been up and down. He really has to maybe control himself, uh, settle down. But uh, I think Trevor can slowly improve himself, build back up into the star that we saw a couple years ago, the all-star. I, I really do think maybe last year was really truly an anomaly for him. I think if he could settle to just be a pitcher that, that gives up under four ERA this season, like kind of what he does. Last, uh, last, like, this game you're talking about, but only just really for him throwing some strikes, improving in terms of uh, li- limiting his walks, two walks. You know, it's not a lot. It is, it's not a lot, but I-, I would love to see maybe one or even the game of his zero walks. Might be asking a little much, but that's something I would really like to see from Trent. But the, the Mets have given him a lot of trouble, and I-, I personally now I think Koda is officially able to Marlins killer. It's two two starts, both starts against the Marlins, and he's been at almost as advertised. Yeah, All right. does this thing work? You're talking. Yes, All right, do. I'm talking. All right. Sadly, no clue what happened there. That's never happened to me. I restarted my phone. I re-downloaded Twitter. Closed the app probably ten times. 
that's random. So I apologize for missing the first half of space. I have to leave early too. So I was really bummed about that. So um, we'll pick up here. So we've recapped the Met series, right? Kind of. We haven't Someone. talked about today's okay. game. Talking about today's game, I did not get to watch any of today's game, but I saw the scores coming through my phone. A lot of offense. First time the Marlins scored over three runs in a while, it feels like already. So, and there was no Solaire in the starting lineup today either. So, this was good and, and encouraging to see. It felt like the first half of the series, there really wasn't anything going for the Marlins offense until Coop hit that home run yesterday. And all of a sudden, it felt like just everything just came to be in the floodgate just open, which maybe that'll be some momentum that can ride in the, the next week. We'll, we'll have to see. But next week, Philadelphia, you get a Sandy start. And they come back home, play Arizona. There will also be a Sandy start in there. So exciting times. I feel like there's a real opportunity coming up with your next four series being the Phillies, the Diamondbacks, the Giants, and the Guardians. I feel like the Marlins could maybe take advantage in a lot of those series. I want to quickly just give out, you know, Braxton Garrett deserves a lot of credit. He came into this game. Um, and he looked really good. Seven punch outs, one walk, only gave up two earned runs, which, well, luckily it wasn't a home run to anyone. So, and then the bullpen did not give up a hit the rest of the game, shut out the Mets. Tanner Scott with a strikeout, Dylan Floor looked really good with three strikeouts. I mean, the bullpen impressed today. And if they could keep this up, and unfortunately, JT Chargois with an injury, we'll see if that's anything long term. But, I mean, besides that, Scott. Chargois, Floro, and Puck all looked really good today. Yeah, very encouraging to see. And um, Chargois was definitely a guy that I've been rooting for. I didn't think much of him coming into this year, but the early returns on him were really good. Him and Puck are both the guys I'm definitely going to have an eye on to do more late inning work as the season progresses. And Floro, of course, closed out last year. Great. Expect more of the same from him. But to really compete this year, I feel like Miami's going to definitely need some unsung heroes to step up out of the bullpen. And there's a lot of minor league options, too, as we've been preaching for a while now that the Marlins have some answers in the system to maybe help out the bullpen, even if some of these guys just can't go. You know, if, if Nardi keeps giving up all those runs, if Tanner Scott reverts to what he was at the very, very beginning of this season, like that first game, the Marlins have options, it seems. Immediate options? I, I don't know about that, honestly. Going? I, I don't know about immediate, but there's definitely some some guys that they could bring up at some point this season to, to help. Not in late inning, of course, but eventually the Marlins have to try and make some of their bullpen homegrown and stop uh, trying to like go out on a limb on some of these veterans. It, it works to an extent, but, but um, now more often than not, it's, it's going to hurt the team. So. More homegrown guys, I feel like something I want to see. Maybe they can take a step towards that this season. Yeah, as the season goes on, somebody that's got off to a little uneven start at AAA is Josh Simpson. I was pretty high on him coming into the year. He didn't look he was uneven in spring training, and he was uneven at AAA coming off the year last year that he had extended stretches of absolute dominance. He has such high strikeout potential with the qualities of his fastball and also his, and more so his breaking ball. That it's just so difficult to get your bat to when he's locating it, right? But he also gets into trouble when he just can't throw strikes whatsoever. It's been uneven. And you saw today, they just designated for assignment Eli Villalobos. He'd been a good reliever in their upper minors the last couple of years. He finished the year great at AAA last season. And after a slow start to this year, I guess they're going to try to sneak him through waivers. And I think that will probably work. But I think that shows you like how much of a question mark he is, that they would even put him in the situation. Uh, people know how much I love Sean Reynolds, but he's not a 2023 option. He's the one that is, he's 2024. He's a little bit more of a project. Still just a couple of years removed from being a hitter. So was, there's still some nuances that he has to figure out, even though his stuff is really extraordinary. And I think he has the demeanor for high leverage stuff. I got a question from Marcelo DeVivo today about Anthony Maldonado. He's not on the 40-man roster but he's been really good when healthy the last few years. Um, and I, I really like what his intangibles and how he fits in high leverage situations as well. Um, it's not a super high upside because the fastball velocity is a little bit below average. Um, he's a guy that just prides himself on getting ahead in the counts and using this wipeout slider. So he's been good at AAA so far. Um, but I, yeah, I don't think that's an imminent guy. I think that's somebody you check back in 
uh, about a month from now, if he's still pitching really well, and then you bring him up. Yeah, right now with the bullpen, they got to hope the Shagwa thing is not that significant. And um, they have Stephen Oker coming back really soon. Oker looked good in his first rehab appearance today. I expect he'll make maybe one more of those on Tuesday, something like that. And then he'll be back up for the next homestand. And Oker, Oker has been good, even though we have some doubts about whether it can last moving forward. They're putting, for now, a lot of hope in these veterans. It's the second half of the year mostly when those that next wave is going to come up, I think. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely want to capitalize on trading more of those guys in. I mean, uh, th- there's been mixed feelings so far about the, the Bass Roachage trade, but I, I think they sold high on Bass, and that was uh, that was a smart thing to do in that situation. So, hey, maybe another one of those guys comes up and does that again, and they can get another solid prospect. Because that's in two years in a row they've done it now. Yimmy Garcia and, um, and Bass Pop. So, uh, no clue who it could be this year, but hopefully the, the bullpen can – can keep it together a little bit here. That was a concern coming into the season. Still a concern now, but um, again, it's it's early. So um, I'll leave it at that, at least. Anything and, else from oh, – go ahead, Isaac. I apologize. I, I think that when it comes to, you know, these homegrown open options, I think it will come down to when they decide to eventually turn some of these starting, starting pitching prospects into bullpen roles. Uh, Zach McCannley comes to mind right away. I think once they start doing that, you know, usually the best relievers in baseball are the ones that are, you know, that were starters initially. And once they, you know, finally sort of say, okay, hey, this guy, you know, probably doesn't have a future in the rotation, I think that's when where they're going to get their best bullpen options, in my opinion. So I think they need to start doing that sooner rather than later because they're going to need all the bullpen depth they can, they can get. Yeah, I agree 100%. And I feel like Trevor would be a good option there, but I think Jerry's still out on him if, if he can be a star. Yeah, Trevor, some good stuff Trevor is so, yeah, Trevor is so, like, I don't know. Because he, again, he had the most amazing, you know, 2021 season as a starting pitcher, but he also never went deep into the games. And I, to me, he's like the perfect relief option, but then you're sort of really, I don't know, it's just tough, man. I, I don't envy yeah. in Mank's position because that's a tough one. And Edward obviously comes out, but he, then again, he has also like the best arsenal of anyone in the rotation, so you don't want right. to put him in the bullpen. You know, you just want to find these two pitch pitchers that are starting pitchers and they're now put them in the bullpen. That's why McCambly, him and his great curveball and his fastball game, put him in the, in the bullpen. I know a lot of people wanted to see Sixto in that role as well, but we don't even know if he's going to get to the majors again. And, you know, maybe if Max Meyer comes back from Tommy John and doesn't have the stamina that he once had, you know, he's also an option there as well. He's got the minute Max Meyer, the minute Max Meyer was drafted, I I said he needs to go straight to the bullpen. I don't I know you think the overall pick. He's gotta go straight into the bullpen. He's a he's a definition of a two pitch pitcher. And even his fastball isn't remarkable. He would be a great option out of the bullpen. Seven, not even a closer, because I don't even think he's good enough to be a closer. Seven to eight inning guy, and there you go. Because his slider is 70 great. But yeah, it's, Max Meyer is the perfect example of someone that I would love to see pitch out of pitch and relief. And if Braxton keeps doing what he's doing right now, if he continues the success, you're putting, you, you know, it's going to be a hard decision to put back Johnny Quaid. And if he struggles, you, you have someone like, you know, that's, that's another question you have to ask yourself. Are you going to risk putting Johnny Quaid in who struggled? spring training struggled in the WBC and now possibly struggling again and, re- and replace him with Braxton who most likely will have good outings and get too deep in the games although today unfortunately he couldn't get too deep into this one if I'm being honest I would be surprised if Johnny Cueto throws 80 innings this year I don't, I don't, I'm, yeah. I already don't think he's going to be back until probably May. No, he's definitely a mid-May return. Yeah. There on, I don't see him going deep into games, particularly when he is healthy. And that he you think he'll be... trade him for uh, no. pennies on the dollar? If they can get anything for him, I know we talked about him being a deadline candidate. I've gone on record saying he won't be on the roster in August, but I think you're more likely to see yeah. him be than Yeah, I think that's the best-case scenario for the Marlins. You know, they won't have to pay the entire 8 mil or whatever it is, and if he comes back from this injury and is okay, all contenders will want him on him, you know, on their staff. So I think that's the best case scenario for Kim and Bruce is that he's good enough that you know you can just get rid of him on you know July thirty first. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that kind of wraps up that series. There, we won't look ahead too much to the the series this week since we have shows. But as I had mentioned, you got the Phillies for three games on the road. Um, they just had a tough series against the Reds. All three games are competitive, and of course, they're 
behind the Marlins in the division race. So that's a chance for the Marlins to put some distance between them and Philadelphia. So that's a chance there. Definitely a very, very, very important series. And I'll be interested to see how this week goes because, of course, every single game but three so far for the Marlins have been against the New York Mets. So it's a chance to see some fresh faces, something different other than uh, seeing guys like Pete Alonso and Francisco Lindor every single day. So you have them, you have Arizona Diamondbacks at home this weekend. Um, I'm pumped for both series. Um, we won't talk about them too much as we have shows for those, but definitely excited. I think the, the Marlins really have a, a nice opportunity at hand. Um, anything else you guys have real quick before we get to fan stuff? The only thing I really want to say, we won't, again, we won't touch too much on this Philly series, but Usually when you play Philly, for some reason, you feel pretty good where you're at in terms of the, your chances at winning. And, you know, this probably is one of those series, again, where you have Sandy and Luzardo going back-to-back. And then I guess it, it'll be Eddie Cabrera or... Kev, do you know who the starting pitchers are for Philly for the last for two Philly? games? I think Wheeler's going it's to It's Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler. Yes, but Oof. you you have Sandy and, and Luzardo, so you could probably sneak up two wins in those first two games. I, don't know. I, I think best case scenario is two out of three. Worst case is one out of three. I feel like it's a it's a very similar low high ceiling. I think the Marlins will take a game. I think it's swept. A, it's a, that would be bad. Very it's very a hitters, bad. It's a hitter's ballpark, so you you got to. Well, I mean, three. the Marlins aren't really the hitters. I mean, the Phillies have not been hot at all this season. Exactly. But, they've came. They've, okay, they've gotten off to a pretty slow start. You don't have. Yeah, I mean, they just dropped off the Reds. The Reds don't even have a great pitching. I think it's an opportunity for both teams. I think the Phillies see it too. Is hey, the Marlins have really struggled offensively this year. Let's get it right. So it's going to be a super duper important series for both teams. This is probably the first real, really important series that Miami needs to take. Because you don't forget the Suntan Classic, and then the and then the Suntan Classic. That's going to be a fun series. You have. Pretty good. I mean, that, but that Sunday is going to be fun. Is Gallon slated to start? Yeah, he's slated to start against Sandy. So, two side young candidates from last year. That's, that's going to be I want to finally see this Jazz versus Gallon at bat. I've been waiting for it. We saw it last year. Right? Yeah, last did year. Did we? I think he struck him yeah. out. He struck him out. Oh, did he? Oh, I forgot. So, you'll get part um, two, Grant. Don't worry. You'll get part two. Well, well part two, that, that's what matters. It's, it's not about how you start, it's about how you finish. Well, Prediction Jazz homers off that gallon. Oh, we hope. All right. We'll get to the fan stuff here, but before we do, consider becoming a super subscriber, super follower, whatever you want to call it. Doesn't matter what I call it. You guys know what it is at this point if you're a regular listener. But I must ask to please consider doing it. It is the best deal out there on Twitter. We'll start with all the incentives. We'll start with the one that's relevant to this. You get first priority to speak in these spaces. You get uh, all access to our gift database. Any reaction you might want from a Marlins player that's just been on the team at all in the last few years, we've got it. Um, you can enter fantasy leagues with us, which is an opportunity to win prizes. Um, Romeo won our fantasy football league last year. We have our own fantasy baseball league. So uh, once fantasy football rolls back around, that could have be uh, something we do um, all lots of giveaways and stuff um, lots of chances to win tickets I should mention the, the winner's prize for winning the fantasy baseball league is field level tickets to a 2024 Marlins game or a 2023 postseason game whichever comes first um, I feel like I'm missing something there, there's something else it's just so stacked and it is only three dollars a month that is the lowest price we can make it, it is the best deal on Twitter yeah, you were effective right there, Grant, because Devin subscribed as you were talking right there. He's, there we go. He's lined That'll up to speak. Yeah. Good job, Grant. Let's go. Look, we just keep adding more and more super subscribers, super followers, but it's $3 a month. The value is definitely way, way worth it. There's so many chances to win cool stuff between tickets, merchandise, things like that. Um, and you get the game notes for every single game. That's right, yeah. And series predictions as well. You get to make your series predictions with us. We'll put them on the live stream. Chances to win prizes that. You look at Daniel's profile picture wearing the, the Tortuga cross. Mm-hmm. He won that. For well, that's the predictions. It's still pretty early in the season. I mean, I started making my predictions like July of last year. I think I finished in seventh grade. So there's definitely still time. Highly, highly, highly suggest becoming a super subscriber 
we'll bring in one right now. We'll get Romeo in here, uh, see what questions we've got. Of course, anyone can request to speak, um, and we'll answer your questions. But uh, the super followers, super subscribers, they get priority first. So, Romeo, Ooh. what do you have for us sweet? Happy, happy Easter. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Yeah, um, I, before I get everything started, in the fish strikes, the fantasy uh, baseball league, I'm getting absolutely screwed right now. I have four of the second most points in the entire league, and I'm facing the guy with the most points. It's very, very depressing. I am the same way this week. <laughs> staff league, I, I had a bunch of points, but I got crushed by someone who went off. It, everyone else is like in the 200s, me and the guy I'm going, I think it's William, I don't know if he's in here, he, he has 580, so he's like 80 points ahead of me. It's just oh, very good. Yeah. 580, that, that's a week right there. I yeah, I have... Half, but, uh, that, that is a good week. Yeah. So I had, it's early, it's only one game, don't, don't worry I, about it. That's I have targeted week. someone else in here who's already made four trades, I think. Hey, Kevin Ang, Kevin Ang. I'm not complaining. My team looks pretty good after that. I almost made one with Daniel earlier. The would have shaken the league, but I uh, held off. Anyways, what's the question? Yeah, go ahead. Um, um, my takes this is more of a statement. My takes are sometimes bad, right? I said that Lazardo should be in the bullpen in 20. That, that's a pretty bad take. That was a bad, but that was coming off of his like bad, bad year. I that was before he met Mel. You know, that was that was that okay. one. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, so do you have another? bad take for us it wasn't a bad take um i said that uh what's his name was a bad signing and i got dragged through twitter uh quato a quato yeah i got dragged and jury's still out i don't think it was an amazing signing but i also wasn't bashing them i don't think i will say i was pretty happy but yeah i I didn't i didn't like the signing and it was great value and then kevin asked when I said it was a bad, like, I think it was after he got injured, he had asked me, um, who was your alternative? And I, before I was able to answer, I was going to say Brax, because I figured that he can do exactly what Quato would do. Well, I, I know what you're doing. Insane, I see what you're doing. You're taking a victory lap. I, I, I even if I'm wrong, right now, it's, it's just looking right, because he looked like you guys said, he looks like he's coming mid to late May, plus his rehab starts. And it's just, it hasn't looked good, and it looks like the waste of money like I did when I tweeted out. We'll let you speak at the beginning of the spaces and say that you're right. You might be, but it's pretty early for both those guys. I mean, quite a yeah, while at some point. It's only Braxton. Was that Braxton's first start of the year? Yeah, it was his first yeah. start of the year. So, it's early. It's early. It is early. It's I want Alex Carver in here. I want yeah, to Please bring Carver. Oh, yeah, Carver, you've been personally invited. I want to hear you've been all invited the by all Romeo. prospects. I what did it tell you, Romeo? That was no, you, you know, I like you said. Um, who was your alternative to when I said that I didn't like the Quato signing, and my my answer was going to. So, so why are you bringing Alex Carver in here? What, what's he going to do? We love Carver. Why what not? We do. Exactly. Well, I want to know if Carver is going to pre-order the patch top for Jeff Lindgren. The, the yes. one-of-one MLB debut patch card. <laughs> I need to know if he pre-ordered that, That's an important question. It will sell on eBay for $5. Five cents, you mean? I will buy it. I will legit buy it. I think that's such a great idea. All right. Well, we've called the bond, Mr. Alex Carver, fish on the farm. Well, what do you have for him? I want to get your thoughts on Yuri and Dax. They went back-to-back the other day in Pensacola. Got to get those thoughts. Minor league seasons on their way. Got to get the initial takes. On Nick Enright and his trajectory as an arm. Well, I don't know because I haven't seen him pitch yet, but uh, I have seen Yuri and Dax. So for Yuri to answer Kevin, and by the way, the the, the one of ones, those cards are going to be insane money, no matter if it's Lindgren or. Or, or a big time prospect. Those are going to be really money. Yeah, they're one of ones. They're going to be a lot of money. Any one of ones. Yeah. Um. So yeah, there's that. Um. But for Paris, um, I think you saw exactly what what he needs to work on in his first start, Kevin. Is what I would say. Um. And that's just 
not fully only relying on his great stuff, which he does have great stuff, but when he doesn't have his best stuff, learning how to get around that, right? And that's what he will struggle with because he just tries to rely on the stuff, um, which is not bad for him to do, but when you don't have your best stuff, you need to adapt, and he has issues doing that at times. So it's the first start of the season. He's still the youngest player in the league, playing in the league. So, yeah, um, the Southern League, that is. So, you know, he's got time. So there's really no reason to rush this player. If we don't see him this year, we don't see him this year. You'll see him next year. So that's Perez. Um, Dax Fulton is in a, a similar case. I don't think this was his his best start either uh, the other day for, for the Wahoos. Uh, obviously, it's still their first start of the year. But these guys have time, man. They just need to le- fully learn how to pitch. They, we know they have the stuff. They just got to learn how to use it, even when they don't have it to the fullest extent. So they're kind of in a similar boat, uh, Dax and Yuri, to answer that question. Then I think the other player we need to shout is Khalil Watson. What a really nice start. I know it's had the games, but had the homer, I believe, had an RBI. Jacob Barry also had an RBI. If we're looking at Beloit, Yidi had an RBI. So it's 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 very encouraging stuff to see. I know Khalil's injured, but um, yeah, hey, he's pretty fine. Um, from yeah. what I heard, he was, he was available to pinch hit today. He didn't play today, but he was available to pinch hit. I don't think he got in that game at all. I have to check the box score, but I don't think he got in it. Correction: um, He did get in the game today as a pinch hitter. Oh, he did get in his pitch. Okay, I haven't checked the full box score for that game. So, yeah, he was available to pinch hit. At per Eli, he did pinch hit in the game. Um, <laughs> so, I didn't check the, box, the full box score for that game yet, but I know he was available as a pinch hitter. So, um, probably nothing too serious, but it's definitely, definitely smart for Pensacola, or I'm sorry, for Beloit and the Marlins to take it easy on a franchise player like that, or a guy that they think could be a franchise player and not push him too hard at the start of the season. So um, when he was rounding the bases, man, he did not, thankfully he hit a home run in that at bat, but let's say he had to, you know, slow dribbler up the third baseline. He had to bust it out of the box. We could be talking about something more serious. So thankfully that didn't happen. Um, so good to give him the day off. Uh, it was a night game into a day game. So good to give him the day off or later game into an earlier game, I should say. So yeah, um, it's, it's good to see him get the time that he needs, but yeah, he's been off to a great start. So has Burdick. I know Burdick struck out a lot, but he's hit four home runs already. Um, maybe if Avi's injured, that's a name we see called up for the Marlins. I, that's why I would hope they would call up. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens there. But they're, they're- so, I put out a tweet about Peyton Burdick yesterday, and, and I suggested that the, the Marlins maybe look to make a change for some of the negative assets on their roster. That was clearly targeted at someone who's been struggling. And I want to see Peyton Burdick get a chance. So, And people replied to me saying, well, his strikeouts are a problem. What's your take on his high K rate despite his power? being uh, a plus the take is it's a player that will always strike out a lot always um he plays so physically he swings so physically that he's going to strike out he's going to miss the ball it's going to happen for this player but i think at his best and when he completely polishes and when he completely is done growing into the player that he can be it's a guy that you'll be able to say okay um you know a 30 percent strikeout rate is okay because he's hitting 20 home runs a year um that's the ceiling that he can get to um, will he get there? That's the question we need to look at. But he is a player that will strike out a lot. So you look at a 40% in the early season, yeah, it sucks. I think that will come down a bit as the season goes on. Maybe not that much. I would say it comes down He's by... He's just making for the fences every bat. Every at-bat, yeah. it seems like just looking at the box where I've watched yeah. any games, admittedly. But he's yeah, got three doubles is, already. Man. He's got three doubles. He's, he's got the power. We know yep. that. He's mm-hmm. excellent uh, power hitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the kind of player he is. You're going to get a lot of strikeouts, but you're getting a lot of power. So um, the guys, I think the guy's ready to be a major leaguer, bro. Um, if if an outfielder is hurt, if Avi, if this is a uh, an IL stint for Avi, he's got to be up. Would you take him or Jake Mangum right now? I would take Burdick over Jake Mangum. Burdick. Okay, hundred percent. I'm, gl- I'm glad we're agreeing. Okay. Some, what about that guy? They take they Mangum took in the rule five draft. Are you talking about Mangum? No, the other guy. There was another guy. I think he was from the Red Sox. Dane Myers, talking about from yes, the yes, yes, Dane Myers, Dane, Dane Myers, Myers. Yeah. Uh, what's he um, up to? What's I he, think I think he's a prospect. Yeah, he has positional flexibility. He used him as an infielder too. I think he played like first and third base as well. So um, probably still needs time. The, the guy is Burdick. If there's a call up, it's Burdick. Glad to hear. All right, I brought Devin, and this is going to be the last uh, question I will get to answer. I do have to leave at seven forty-five, but I have something to make up for it that we'll uh, we'll talk about after Devin's question. Devin, what do you have for us this week? Hey guys, I was uh, looking at a potential trade to unload Augie's oh contract. Oh boy. Yep. So uh, trying to think. Obviously, this doesn't happen if he's you know on the IL. 
but some options I was looking at, I got three for you. Uh, I'll just rapid fire. Aaron Hicks, Patrick Corbin, or Sandoval Perez. Who's Sandoval? Sandoval? You mean Salvador Perez? Or excuse me, Salvador Perez. Yeah. Oh. I, I mean, I Perez. He, I he struggles at the plate, but's good defensively. Correct? Am I right on that? He's just old. I don't think they're. No. I mean, so here's some facts. So Avi has 41 million left on his deal. How many years? Uh, I think years are what more people are are concerned about. Because we know that they have the money, they just don't like to spend it. But if they could find a way to get rid of Avi sooner, I think they would do it. Yeah, I don't think the Royals would trade Salvi at this point. I mean, I, he, he's, he's a, probably, he's, yeah, he's a Royal for life and have MJ, so. Uh, yeah, well, so we will eliminate that, so with that leaves Corbin, who else did you say? Aaron Hicks. Oh, yeah. That's the options. There's not that many bad contracts Here. out there. That hard one. Could a lot of them got offloaded last year, Corbin? I feel like. Yeah. The one that I liked a lot last year, in the middle of last year, when I when I immediately thought that the Avi was going in the wrong direction last year, I really liked Rafael Iglesias because oh, yeah. the money matched up, and I was right that he got traded. It's just that he got traded to the Braves. And and I, I was not mad at the Ozuna one. I know Ozuna has some character issues, but I feel like he he also has more upside as a player than Avi, and it would be a homecoming. I kind of wanted that one to happen, but I don't think it will happen at this point. What about Strasburg? How many years does he have? Ouch. That's even worse. That's probably the worst one. I'm no offense, <laughs> yeah, I think but... that's literally the worst option possible. Do you think Mel could develop Patrick Corbin as uh, something salvageable, at least? Uh, Look, I, I know he Mel, could be better than Cueto. Mel does a lot of things great. Uh, but Guys, he literally needs to retire because his greatest accomplishment as a coach would be bringing Patrick Corbin back. I feel like Mel would be the top pick. That would Hall of Fame worthy. That's that crazy. I would give him a Hall of Fame vote if I was on the panel if he was able to bring Patrick Corbin back. All right, but let's be honest, they're not trading Avi Garcia yet, so. Uh, I don't know if they will ever be able to trade Avi Garcia. Aaron Hicks is he will get DFA'd at some point, and they'll just eat the money because. You can't do three more years of this. I, I just don't think you can. There, there's no way to get out at this point besides just I mean, getting his contract and just letting him go. He's going to end up at some point getting his role diminished. If it, if what it's going to happen this year. Trigger. If he yeah, exactly. like this. Yeah, so, I mean, we shouldn't really be talking about trade yet. Yeah. I think it's very premature. I don't think anyone's going to trade for him. We talked last year in a space, I don't know if it was one of ours or Craig takes or made space, but he said, look, they get rid of Abby, what would they have to attach to be able oh, to do it? Yuri Perez. We don't want that. That's no, terrible. Yeah, That's not worth Yuri. it whatsoever. Right. Well, Grant, for your own good, I think we have to kick you out, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah I'll, I'll get out, but I do have a good announcement. I really apologize for the technical difficulties and stuff. Obviously, not what I want. Luckily, it's a weekly space, so I'll be back. But sometime this week, I do have some like exams and stuff to do this week. But I will promise I will make time for the fans because this is for the fans. DM me at Key for Media. You just click on my profile. DM me any questions you have. I'll answer one per person in a mailbag style article. Uh, it'll just be my takes. It won't be influenced by anyone else. <laughs> at least I hope. And I will answer your questions. So DM me your questions. I'll try and work on it early this week. And uh, I'll get it out probably by the end of the week uh, before the next show. So apologize. Of course, you guys keep going with your questions. The space will go on. I have to go. I had a hard cut off it. 7:45, but DM me your questions. I will answer them in a mailbag article this week. So thank you guys, and uh, I'll see you guys next week at this time. I guess I'll take over Eli. So if you want to make okay, Kev, how digital day doing in with the Aviators? That's the name. That's the name of the team. Somebody yeah, messaged me today play. about that because he was putting up good numbers. But Las Vegas, that Triple A team, happens to be the most hitter-friendly environment possible. So Vlade is putting up uh, an OPS over 1,000, but the team OPS is like in the 900s. There are at least three of his own teammates that are putting up better numbers than he is, even though it looks like he's putting up off-the-charge numbers. Jesus Christ, dude. He's putting up like <laughs> 313, 389, 
was the caught stealing once, has walked four times, so, struck it out four times. To make it more Marlin-centric, obviously the guy they traded for, A.J. Puck, looking like someone that Skip wants to put in that late situation. We saw him in the ninth, even though the game was practically over. Would you? Do you think he's more inclined to put A.J. Puck at that closer role if there was a percentage chance maybe between him and Floro? If they're really 50-50, or is it maybe leaning more towards A.J. Puck? Well, I think the way he's looked at it, it would be Puck, because we saw it, well, today. I know we saw it in the first one of the year, and then we saw it, I think it was the last game against the Twins on that Monday where... Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, so I, I think it'll be, I think it's Puck, but worst case, we may see um, Flora do it, which is still a good option. What I'll say is that the Marlins have won four games, and three of them have been finished off by Puck. So that is kind of telling to this point. Um, although this today was kind of a weird example, just because they ran out of arms. They had three guys that were unavailable because they'd picked back-to-back days. Also, they had to go to the pen earlier than they wanted to do in relief of Braxton. So the way that it lined up today may, might not mean anything just because they were shorthanded to begin with. They had to use everybody that was actually well-rested. I think it's still what he said originally, that he's going to take particular matchups in mind. And it seems clear to me that Puck is going to be the primary guy in the ninth inning. But depending on what opposing hitters in the order are due up, that's when they might look to Floro as an alternative. If Chagua is hurt, then clearly Floro and Puck are, to me, their two best high-leverage situation guys. So it's going to be between those two until um, Chagua potentially until we find out more about Chagua. It's a, it's always concerning whenever he had to leave right in the middle of his game like that. So we still need to wait a little bit more for information on that because that does affect a lot of the rest of how the bullpen is set up. Something I want to, I guess we could touch up on here or touch on is the minor leagues. Alex, I want to get your just initial thoughts on what you've seen so far. Some good, some, I not, I mean, there's not really much bad to look at at one point, but I think there's some stuff that you notice that could probably continue to happen later in the season. It's free. Um, okay. Yeah, pretty pretty early is what I would say. I don't like to base much off of what I see very early in a season, especially um, when you consider the youth of these players. A lot of them, not all of them, some of them are playing at the same level. Actually, a lot of them are playing at the same level. But, um, yeah, I don't like to base too much off of, like, just one series, six days, right? So, well, a little bit more in Jacksonville, but you know what I mean. Anyways, um, yeah, I mean, I guess the pluses would be the ones that we called out before. Um, Khalil's been really good. Um, it's definitely encouraging to see him get off to a hot start. But what I would say is that he also got off to a hot start last year, and we saw what yeah. happened with that. So uh, we'll see how the league adjusts to him and how he adjusts back and what his mental state does when they do adjust to him, right? Uh, so that's what I'm kind of watching for is, is how this ages, like how how a hot start ages is kind of what I'm what I'm watching for when it comes to these players that start well. Um, how do you adjust after when it's not going well, right? Uh, that's kind of what I look at, especially with these younger players. Um, so no real knocks on me on any particular player when it comes to um, not having a good start in one series. It's one series, and I can pass that. So um, you know the pluses are are clear. Uh, verdict's definitely a plus. CJ Hinojosa has been amazing at AAA. It's definitely a guy you could see in a Marlins uniform this year as well. Um, uh, you know, Khalil, as we mentioned, um, seeing Giddy get his first couple of hits is also great. I love that kid. I think he's awesome. Um, hits to all fields. He's going to be fantastic, fantastic player. I think. Um, so yeah, there's there's definitely definitely a bit a bit to like, uh, a bit not to like. But like I said, it's one series, so um, I'm going to wait to see how the season ages before I base any opinions on these guys. Yeah, you know, you know, Hosa, four hitting four twenty nine, four thirty five with a one point three forty OPS, two homers, nine RBIs, one stolen base. He's like good. He'll definitely be. I mean, this is kind of why the Marlins kept a lot of these guys to have some reliable depth. I guess is how we could call it. Because last year, when you have Eric Gonzalez, Astudio, I know there's no Astudio slander, but I'm gonna do it here. We have those type of guys being called up. It's not what you, but really the options you want. And uh, Romeo, you had something to say. I was going to say, um, I've seen on Twitter, like, DFA Brazoban, and you guys are talking about it. You also have to remember that both Brazoban and 
Edwards, all their games have just been against the Mets. Same thing with Trevor. I feel like you, people should give Brazilban and and uh, Edward and them a little bit, a little bit, a little bit more leash because they've only faced two the Mets. That's all they do is foul the ball off. The moment's anywhere outside of the zone, so that's what I wanted to say. Because I know you guys are talking about it. I know you're probably not DFA them, but you also have to remember, like a bunch of them, or option. The Mets don't swing at anything outside of the zone. It's very rare. The one that swings the most is is uh, Eduardo Escobar, and when he does, it, it either gets hit a while or it gets he strikes out, and that's like one of their only batters when it does when it comes to that. Yeah. I mean, you, uh, again, I really wouldn't look too much into Brazobon's starts. I mean, Eli said it. He's, he's a pitcher who really just has no control. But uh, yeah, you're right, Roman. He's only pitched against the Mets. Same with Edward. And the Mets are one of the most patient teams in the league. This is something Isaac and I were talking about and unfiltered how patient this team is. So, yeah. Uh, Eli, is there anyone else that's not a super subscriber? Well, I think both William and FJ Fish, they've been... Lined up to speak. Oh, yeah. If either of them, either of them have anything to say, you, you can go ahead before we close this out. Even if we've covered it before, glad to hear from you guys. If you have any questions for us, hey, you can go first, William. Yeah, I have a question. Where is Jose Iglesias? Jose Iglesias, you said? Yes. Yes. Um. We really aren't sure. Today from the Spanish broadcast that he was in Jupiter, and that's what I've been hearing. We don't know uh, when he'll be up with the Major League team or when he'll be even with Triple A Jacksonville. So we know Iglesias is still with the organization. That's pretty much all we could say at this point. Think guys? Yeah, extended yeah. spring training is the answer. Um, why? I that, that information I don't have. Um, but yeah, extended spring training is still here, still with the Marlins. Um, should be going to Jacksonville at some point. When? Guess we'll have to get back to you. Yeah, yeah well, that's something I'll have to find out this week. Yeah, before even being an option to get called up, he's got to play in some sort of organized games. When you see him playing for AAA first, then you can begin looking to him in the majors. Not that far from now, he has another opt-out in his contract. It's just three weeks away in May 1st. If he doesn't, he's healthy and he doesn't feel like he's getting an opportunity with the Marlins, he could once again opt out into free agency and try to hook on with another team. So that's been a bummer because um, with Wendell going down, this would have been a really good opportunity for him to already be on the major league team. But it does something appears to be up physically with him, but why he's not ready and why he's not playing actively in the games that you'd expect him to in AAA. The, the only thing I would say, we're speaking about AAA, this is not pertaining to Jose Iglesias, but the only thing that I would say about AAA, because we were talking about the minor leagues, Kev, the only thing I would say for them is, man, uh, their their pitching has been a freaking revolving door so far. Like, the Marlins have had yeah. to them a lot. Like, they've had to go to them multiple times, Lindgren and Castano and Garrett, like, they, they had to go to them a ton already so far, so early in the season, where they're calling up guys from the Hammerheads to be in their bullpen, like Brady and Carnacion. Uh, like, that's, that's Palacios, yeah, and then, yeah, Palacios at least was in double-A, but like Brady and Carnacion, there was another one that they called up, too, um, that, uh, that that came up from, from the Hammerheads. Crazy jump. Like, I, I doubt we'll see. Those guys are probably just there for depth, but uh, that's crazy to me that they're calling guys up from from the hammerheads to, to go pitch and, and potentially pitch in triple a um so revolving door kind of for them um the movement in the minor leagues i already am like there's guys in double a they could probably call up <laughs> but they're going to guys all the way all the way in jupiter to call up to go to go apparently full space there which is definitely interesting yeah it was yuri montero who got called up to jacksonville so. there you go not yeah a different yuri not not yuri not yuri Brett. yeah so, F, FJ Fish, if you have anything. Yeah, absolutely. I'd like to start out with uh, with me being a Jupiter. If the Marlins are looking for some organizational help, I'd be more than willing to pitch in. Uh, and on that, with this lack of depth, I guess, in the bullpen, I like to push this uh, piece of propaganda that we should bring back Steve Ciszek as soon as possible. Uh, he was always fun to watch. He's deadly at MLB The Show. 
And uh, I think he can give us some veteran depth that we could certainly use in that area. And he helps bring back part of those 2015 Marlins years that we all love. Uh, so, yeah, definitely a big C-Sheck fan. Uh, I'd also like to point out that our boy Lazardo does have a 654 ERA plus at the moment. And uh, let that sink in. If, if the season ended today, Lazardo would have probably the greatest season in sports history. And uh, then I guess my question would be, what do we think it's going to take for Edward Cabrera to regain his confidence or, I guess, get command of the zone uh, this year? That's a good question. That's an Eli question. The one thing I want to start with, what I want to start with is C-Sheck. Unfortunately, he has officially retired as of a couple months ago. I I did see him this morning for Easter brunch at a place. But, yeah, I I, I felt his hands. I think he can get back in there. I understand he's retired. But, I mean, each row knows the other day for the Mariners, didn't he? Yeah, he's got power in there. Regarding Cabrera, we touched on this earlier in the show with him that I think it will just do him a lot of good to face a different opponent. Facing the Phillies, as good as the Phillies are in a vacuum, I think that's a just a better matchup for him, that you're going to see them be more aggressive and chase some pitches that are a little outside the zone in, in a way that the Mets didn't. The Mets really just didn't help him out whatsoever in, in the starts that he had. I'm, yeah, I'm not willing to overreact at all about him yet. Although I, it continues to annoy me, it, it always has since he came up that he just does not trust his fastball. He does not command his fastball. He, he doesn't use his fastball as much as I think he should, and it just makes it puts him in these situations where he's behind in the count more often than he should be. Um, and it just it doesn't seem to be changing. In no start does he like throw it enough enough early in the count to set up his secondary pitches the proper way. You've seen that he's had plenty of success, especially last year in certain starts, even pitching this unique way that he does that relies so heavily on his secondary stuff. Uh, I, I don't know if he'll ever be a consistent starting pitcher unless that fastball changes or unless he throws a wrinkle into that pitch that makes him more confident in using it. He, he just, he's not throwing it enough and it's allowing it putting them in these situations where it's a lot easier to take the secondary pitches when you feel pretty confident what he's going to throw in those situations. He he's a player that I am. He's so perplexing to me. I still believe it so much in his upside because he has such a deep pitch mix. Those pitches, the secondary pitches are so nasty. And even within the last year, the strategies made specifically with his curveball and making that now, in my opinion, his best breaking ball, even better than his slider and the way that he does occasionally steal strikes with his curveball. There is this amazing top of the rotation type of pitcher in him. I just don't know if he gets there unless the fastball itself improves so we're going to take it one start at a time as we touched on earlier in the show there's just not really any rotation alternatives right now so there's not pressure on him because the alternatives are not going to really put them in a better situation to win even compared to what we've seen recently he's going to have a fairly long leash to figure this out thank you that was a very valid and logical response thank you i want to quickly mention um going back to the minor leagues Paul McIntosh played left field today, so that's cool to see. We did hear from Kevin Randall. He would be playing that once a week. At Monteverde, he had 11 strikeouts, only gave up one hit, so shout out to him. That that guy's guy's solid. Um, Monteverde, he's performed at pretty much every level. I think he's an underdog name to watch that nobody talks about. He's not in the top 30 or anything, but could be a usable arm. Um, What I would say for Edward... Um, is Eli is exactly right. I think I asked him, like, um, like a- after one of his very first starts, I think in 2021, I think I asked him, I'm like, hey, you use your changeup, but you rarely use your fastball. Like, why is that? Did you just not have the fastball today? And his answer was like, no, I just wanted to throw the changeup. So it's crazy. Like, he used the fastball well coming up, and then he just got away from it after he became a major leaguer, and it was one of the reasons that got him to where he was, and now he just doesn't use it. And as I've said 
I think on Eli's show, Fish Rides Live, he just doesn't seem to have interest in getting the command back because he just doesn't throw it. So it's it's weird, man. Like I, I don't I don't know if he's being told to do that by Mel or what what is going on there, but I don't know. Um, I'm not a pitching coach. I don't pretend to be, but when you go away from one of your best weapons that got you to where you're at, and now you're struggling with your command, go back to what worked, bro. Like like it wasn't broken. Why are you trying to fix it? Is, is what I would say. Um, so I, I don't know, man. He, he's a weird case. Like as Eli said, he's a perplexing pitcher. He's a weird case. Um, in current state, I would agree. I don't know if he can stick as a starting pitcher, but he will at least be a very good relief pitcher um, if it comes to that. So, yeah, um, interesting for sure. But, um, yeah, throw the damn fastball. All right, anything else before we wrap up? I, I think we got to end it here. My dinner is getting a little overcooked in the oven right now, and I want to make sure that we don't start a fire around here. But this this was very good. I appreciate you guys picking up for Grant where he left off. He'll be back at this usual time next Sunday, 7 p.m. Um, but we have so much content in between then. Uh, we'll have at least three or four different podcast episodes during the week, two different live streams during the week, all our articles in between analyzing the team, and all our live tweets during the course of these games uh, this upcoming week as well. So we appreciate all your support. Like I said, like Grant said, consider, consider subscribing, writing our Twitter profile uh, and supporting what we do, give you priority to speak, speak on these future spaces and hear from uh, all our different perspectives and all the guests that we bring in here. So thanks again for coming here on the show. State of the Fish. We're glad we could get this going. We appreciate everybody for tuning in. So a whole lot of Marlins baseball coming up between now and then. Thanks for following along.